You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Ross Strader. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, good morning. Uh, thanks, Todd. I appreciate Todd's sensitivity this morning, and... Um, Changing up the set a bit, I, I know, um, I'll tell you, I, as I was thinking about this morning um, and, and praying through just what I might say, I, I know with you I've been following the news all week, and I've been uh, preparing for the last couple of weeks and, and preparing this week to kick off a prayer series today, and then uh, Tuesday night, um, we all saw the news, and uh uh, Kayla was taken f- Tuesday night just down the road uh, from the Bullard Church, First Assembly of God, um, after a prayer meeting at the church. And then we have uh, prayed all week long. And um, then last night got the news, um, horrible news, tra- tragic news, terrible news. And... Uh, so then this morning to uh, come and stand before you um, and to talk about prayer. And, and so I, I want you to know I, um, my heart is heavy this morning about it, and I want to speak into it for a few minutes. Um, also to let you know, um, listen, it's a, it, it impacts us as a church. And so um, Kayla's family uh, lives in a neighborhood where some of our Bethel families live, and Kayla um, Jack Elementary is a school that some of our Bethel kids go to. And um, so it, it feels very um, close to us. Uh, tonight there's going to be a candlelight vigil um, at Jack Elementary at 515. Uh, Kevin East and Fritz are going to be there and they're going to be speaking and praying. And um, so... And so what do you do? And so I'll tell you where I went last night. uh, uh, Read you a few lines from a psalm. And uh, then I'm going to borrow a few words from Philip Yancey. And I'm going to tell you how I want us to pray for a few minutes. And then I want to look at Matthew chapter 6. And I want to begin our a series on prayer, and then I want us to take communion together. So that's the outline of the morning. And um, sorry, my tone is heavy right now, um, and I can't help it. And so, where I'm going to read from is Psalm 88. And I'll tell you how I found Psalm 88. Um, known about Psalm 88, but I w- was reminded of it this week. I came across it in my prayer study. It was, um, it's a lament psalm. It's a prayer. Uh, the psalmist writes it. And Psalm 88 is a unique psalm to my understanding, my knowing. It's the only psalm, uh, lament psalm, that does not um, really have an ending. So, so all the lament psalms, all the other lament psalms, end on a, on a praise. Um, so the psalmist will say, I cry out to you, O Lord, um, and will end 
even if it's just a line with a praise. But the Psalm 88 seems to, to not have an ending. It, it seems to be unfinished. It seems to, to end with the angst of, of the angst, you know? And that's where I feel today. Maybe you do. It's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. It's not. Here's a little bit of Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation. That's where it begins. It's written to be sung. It was a song the Israelites sang. I, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. But I, O oh Lord, cry to you. I'm skipping down to verse 13. But I, O oh Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? It feels that way sometimes. Sometimes we see something and we go, okay, well, we can make sense of that. Or in my mind, I seem to be able to make sense of that, but in this, I, I can't make any sense of it. And that's okay. I don't have to make sense of it. I trust God. Read a few words from me, Nancy, and then I'll move on. I'm thankful. If you this is uh, where is God when it hurts? It's if you don't have it in your library. It's a great one to put in your library. It's from chapter seven. The title of the chapter is uh, "Arms Too Short." a box with God. I've been there. He says, God does not condemn our moments of despair and unbelief. He himself set the tone by diving into earth and enduring cruel, senseless suffering. Before the final moment, his own son asked if the cup would pass from him and on the cross cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? Complete identification with the suffering of the world. But Christianity takes it a step further, which has been a stumbling block to many. It's called the resurrection, the moment of victory when the last enemy, death itself, was smashed. God, who invites you and me to step into joy and victory, does not ask us to accept a Pollyannish world. He simply adds a further mysterious layer to human experience. He asks for hope in spite of hopeless surroundings. When suffering bleeds us, He asks us not to reject Him, but to respond to Him as children, trusting His wisdom and affirming, however deep the pit, 
God's love is deeper still. And it is. And so, this morning, how I want to pray is, um, I'm going to pray for the family this morning, Kayla's family, um, uh, who I imagine this morning um, cannot even find the words to utter. So, so let's let's do that on their behalf. And um, it's what the body of Christ does. And in fact, that's what the Spirit of God does. Romans chapter eight says that that the Spirit of God prays for us when we don't know the word. So when all we can do is groan, the Spirit of God takes those groanings and turns them into words and, and prays for us. And we pray with the confidence that um, we have footsteps to follow on this road. We're not the first ones that have traveled this road. The road is marked well with tears of the saints that have gone before us. And so as we carry this family and we carry... Uh, these elementary school friends in our prayers and these uh, teachers and this principal and uh, these law enforcement agents who uh, had a really hard day yesterday, I imagine, and this community. Um, let's carry them in our prayers this morning as the church as we pray to the God of the universe when he shows up to Job in Job's darkest hour he didn't answer all of Job's questions but showed up enough that Job was able to bow and worship him so let's do that this morning and uh, then we'll uh, We'll pray, and then we'll, we'll learn how to pray, okay? Let's do that. If you would, would you bow with me? Father, we come to you this morning, and uh, I confess that my heart is very heavy, and I do not pretend um, that on this side of heaven to, to understand And yet I do confess that I trust you and I confess your goodness. I do. Father, I, uh, I do confess that this, uh, this evil, this wickedness, this absolute ugliness, this doesn't win. This isn't, the, this isn't the last word. Father, we're here this morning to proclaim the resurrection of your Son, Jesus, and the resurrection to come, and the beauty of eternity, and the making of all things new 
forever. That you have conquered the enemy. Father, we proclaim that this morning. And so I pray that your son would look beautiful and glorious in our midst. And I pray, Father, we, we pray for uh, the Orozco family and uh, whose hearts are crushed this morning. So, um, I give them just the air to breathe and uh, grace upon grace. But I pray for the church this morning that's um, my knowledge is gathered even now. Would you uh, begin the healing for that body? Father, I pray for your grace and your mercy. Father, I pray for uh, Jack Elementary. I pray for the students there that go back to school tomorrow. And I pray for little minds that will uh, have questions and seek answers and work to process this. And so I pray you would protect them and I pray for the adults that will be around them. Would you grant them wisdom and care? Pray for the law enforcement men and women that were uh, there yesterday. Father, would you... Uh, you grant them peace. Father, for so many of us that find ourselves angry, would you uh, grant us a way to, uh, to peace? Father, I pray that the truth would be revealed, that justice would be done, that Father, even in the midst of this, forgiveness could be sought. The beauty of your Son, Jesus, and the Gospel would be on display. Pray for that. And Father, we pray that even these events this week do not in one way, in one ounce, for a second, change the truth of who you are and your sovereignty and your goodness. And so, Father, uh, draw us to that this morning and be with us as we teach your word and as we uh, seek to know more and understand more and have our affections stirred to come to you as our Father in prayer. We certainly need to and want to and desire to. We, um, our minds are um, ever distracted these days by a, a nation that in 48 hours will elect a president who, um, uh, Father, we, we pray for your will to be done. We do. And then we pray, Father, you would uh, heal much of what is uh, 
been broken. Beginning with the church. And so we bring all these things to you this morning. And we ask that you would do what only you can do. In the name of your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, if you've got your Bibles, if you go to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to be this morning. And um, the, the topic for the next several weeks is going to be prayer. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at what's called the, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we'll, uh, you may think, well, I, I, I know this. I learned it when I was a child. And, and maybe you learned it like I did in the, in the King James Version. And so as I read it this morning, you'll be wanting to add some words or change some of that and these and thous. And, and as I say it, I may read it one way and say it another. And you'll just know my Mimaw is the one that taught me that. And, and then I'll add a line at the end that's not in here. And maybe it should be or shouldn't be. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. And uh, so we'll talk about all of those things, but my, my aim in, in all of this is that at the end of the day, um, we would um, kind of week by week and moment by moment, we, we would um, be challenged uh, in our thinking, hopefully stirred in our affections uh, about prayer. So, so for all of us, we think about prayer with, okay, well, I know, I know what prayer is. And in fact, if you're a believer, it's likely the very first thing you did as a believer was a prayer, right? I mean, you, you prayed. I mean, we speak about it in ways like we prayed a prayer of faith or, or something like that. It's like, it's like that was your initiation. I mean, that was like your starting place. And yet, prayer is one of the most mysterious things and frustrating things and difficult things in our um, Christian life. And, and everybody would say, man, prayer, I, I wish I did it more. I, I, it's something I understand the least. Or it's something that um, when I get older, I, um, you, 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 you kind of age into. But I hope that some of those misconceptions, I hope what we'll see is that this is for all of us now. And that's what Jesus means for us now. And so it's, uh, it's not meant to put you on a guilt trip. If you feel guilty, that's on you. It's not on me. All right. I wrote in my notes over and over again, I'm, no guilt. So uh, I, I'm not doing it. Uh, the Spirit is. So you take that up with Him. Um, prayer simply defined, if you wanted the definition, it's a meaningful conversation with God. It's a meaningful conversation with God. We, we may further define that in the weeks to come, but a meaningful conversation with God. That's how we want to define that. So I'm going to start reading Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Uh, to put some context, it's the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Uh, Sermon on the Mount goes from chapter 5 to chapter 7. Uh, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel appears in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Here's, here's how it goes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. 
And when your father who sees in secret, uh, and when your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask, ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil." For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We'll be looking at each of those phrases in the coming weeks. We will seek to not lose sight of the forest for the trees. But I do want to call your attention or show you that as Jesus begins to teach about prayer. Um, notice that what he does in, in beginning to teach about prayer is, is he begins by teaching you how not to pray, right? So um, in, the, in the beginning of the instruction about how to pray, he begins by teaching you how not to pray. And in his instruction about how not to pray, notice what he does. If you want to know how to pray, let me show you how not to go about learning how to pray, and that is don't learn from religious people. Did you see that? And I know it's, it's disheartening, but that's what he says. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be what? Seen by others. You, you know this because you learned it in school. You didn't need to go to seminary to figure this out. The word hypocrite is the word that they use. It is an old uh, Greek word, um, also carried over in Latin. It, it's the word that they use for actor, to, to put on a show, to, uh, to, to play a, a part. The, the idea here is that someone is playing a part. It is not really who they are. It is um, a part that they are playing. It is, it is, not, the, it is not a person who, who genuinely is something. It is a person who is pretending to be something. And so with their words and with their actions, they are pretending to be something, and they are pretending to be something in the presence of others for the reward or the benefit or the motivation of people looking at them and going, man, that person must really be religious. And they've, and they've got it down, right? I mean, so, so they've got it down. They're the, they're the person that, that prays in such a way that the people around them go, man, that was really great, brother. You really... Re Man, you really know all the right words to say. And you avoided all the wrong ones. And they just roll right off the tongue, right? I remember, and this is, so I'm too young to know if the guy was real or not. Okay, so this is, um, but I'm young, and, and, um, and I know, look, he, I'm, I'm sure he loved the Lord. I, I, I am. Pretty sure that he loved the Lord. 
I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I was little. I was little. I made fun of everybody, okay? But when I was in church, and, and they should have had children's church. They didn't. They should have, all right? They had no children's ministry. They should have. But I was sitting in children's church, and they had uh, communion, and they had the guys up front, and the same guy always got to the front of the line. I don't know how that happened. And he prayed every week, and he always prayed this line. I had no idea what this meant. I, I mean, it, it was like, I was 20 years old, and I finally thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to look up that word. And he would always pray that God would redound to his glory. He was a great big man, and he had this great huge voice. And I mean, my siblings and I, I mean, we would sit and we would wait for the word. And then when he said redound to his glory, I mean, we would just giggle and giggle and giggle. And my mom, oh, she, that woman was never in fellowship when she took the Lord's Supper. I promise you, because she was so mad at her children. I, and so that's all I think of. Now, he, I know he loved the Lord, but I mean, it just, I don't know why I said that, but I'm saying there's this idea that that's how you learn to pray, is that we learn to pray from religious people. And I think what Jesus' point is, is that, look, that it is not about all of the words that you say. It is not about sophistication. It is not a part you play. It isn't a script that you follow. It is about your heart. He does not care in this instruction of the disciples that they are the ones that are going to win the Emmys at the Jerusalem Awards for the guys that, that are the best prayers. He wants them to be guys that have intimate conversations with, with their father. So I Don't be like the hypocrites. They've received their rewards. You know, it's an interesting thing. If you see there at the end of 6, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. I'm, I'm, I don't have the time this morning. In fact, I'm already going to be out of time as it is. We may get back to it. It's a very interesting statement, right? So there's this reward. I mean, it's interesting to think there's a reward. And, and so you might think, well, hey, that's pretty cool. There's like a reward. It's like a reward? Like if I pray, there's a reward? And, and you might think, well, so that's an, I, it's like a motivation to pray, and is that okay to have a motivation to pray that there's a reward? And I would say, yes. And then you would say, well, what's the reward? And I would say, I have no idea. And it's, so here's what I say. It's totally okay to have the motivation. Yeah, I mean, the Lord might reward me for praying. Here's what I would say that you would cross the line. If you begin to make a list and say, okay, Lord, if you were wondering what kind of rewards I might like, and then you make the list, that moves from motivation to manipulation, okay? So he doesn't tell us the rewards. There is this thing, though, that, I mean, the Lord delights in your presence. The, the Lord desires for you to be in his presence presence. I mean, maybe that's part of the discovery. Maybe that's part of the joy. Maybe that's what you'll end up discovering in this journey of fellowship with the Lord is that you'll, you'll wander into, you'll discover, you'll, you'll be like, oh, that's what that means. This reward. Maybe it is, maybe it is the fellowship 
with God himself is the reward. Don't heap up empty phrases. If you have the NIV, they translate it the absolute best. They say babblers. The, the idea here is these guys, um, there, there were those in the day, they, they conjured up this, um, uh, they, they, they would think, okay, well, I have to string together the right set of words to try to get a disinterested God's attention. So, take all the things you know about God, whether you understand them or not, you begin to string them together. Oh, creator, divine, majestic, seafaring. Oh, no, that didn't work. Um, you see what? Because if the right combination, I might just capture his attention. Or some mantra. If I say it over and over and over and over and over enough. No, they're just empty phrases. Those that you know best You can use words least. You, you know what I'm saying? There was a better phrase. I lost it in the middle. Hey, don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So if he knows what you need before you ask him, then why ask him? Well, here's the thing. That's part of relationship. I have children. And I know what they need before they ask me. And I'm not even omniscient. But I know and it's not as though they're not, I'm going to meet their needs, but there's something, in, there's something about the intimacy of the, of the asking and the granting. and the, there, There's something about that, that that's the relational building and the, it's so rich. Pray then like this, verse 9. Our Father. This is the cry of our heart. In essence, this, this is prayer. But prayer could be really summed up in these two words. Our Father. And Jesus could have said a lot of things there that would have been true. Our, our Creator, our God, it's true. Our friend, this is true. Our Father. It's um, God is a loving Father, eager to listen. It's a prayer only for believers. Let me say this is only for believers. That Jesus is speaking about only for John. Chapter 1, verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What, what does it mean to be a Christian? It means, essentially, that you are adopted. So, so you're given rights. You receive 
Christ, you're adopted into the family of God. That's what it means to be a Christian. And, And to say, so if you don't understand that, if you don't understand that, there's some level you don't understand what it means to be a Christian. J.I. Packer, let me quote this. He, he says this. He's speaking about justification, which is um, what we usually talk about, what, what it means to be saved. But he says this. But this is not to say that justification is the highest blessing of the gospel. Adoption is higher because of the richer relationship with God that it involves. Justification is a forensic idea conceived in terms of law and viewing God as judge. In justification, God declares believers uh, that they are not and never will be liable to death that their sins deserve because Jesus Christ, their substitute and sacrifice, tasted death in their place on the cross. This free gift of acquittal and peace won for us at the cost of Calvary is a wonderful enough in all conscience, but justification does not of itself imply any intimate or deep relationship with God the judge. In idea, at any rate, you could have the reality of justification without any close fellowship with God resulting. But contrast this now with adoption. Adoption is a family idea conceived in terms of love and viewing God as Father. In adoption, God takes us into His family and fellowship. He establishes us as His children and heirs. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of relationship. To be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. To be loved and cared for by God, the Father, is greater. Our Father, this is how Jesus begins. You know how to pray? This is how you pray. Interestingly enough, Jesus, uh, Luke's gospel records the same prayer. The context is a little bit different. We'll probably look at it at some point in the next couple of weeks, but not to labor it. context here is the Sermon on the Mount. The context in Luke's gospel, it comes as a question. And the disciples in Luke's gospel say um, that they ask Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And so scholars, they look at it and go, well, why is it in the Sermon on the Mount here and why are they asking Jesus over here? And maybe there's two different times. I, I don't know. It's beyond the scope of discussion. But there is something interesting to note, and this is that. In Matthew's gospel, Matthew records three prayers of Jesus. Mark records three. Luke records 11 prayers of Jesus. Luke is very interested in the prayer life of Jesus. And and of all the things that Luke records, he records this question that the disciples ask of Jesus. Now, the disciples, to be fair, they could have asked Jesus lots of things. They could have said, could you you teach us how to to tie a fishing knot? I mean, probably they didn't ask him that, but they could have. Or could you teach us to walk on water? 
when you spit in a guy's eye and you make him see, could you teach us that bit? They might have asked him that, I don't know. But what Luke records is the only question they ask him is, can you teach us how to pray? And what is so interesting about that is, is you might think, I thought, maybe they didn't know how to pray, but that's not true either because as a Jewish boy, they would have grown up and from the cradle, you know what they would have learned? How to pray. Because they would have learned this thing called the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is, you know what it is? It's a prayer. They would have also learned the 18 benedictions, which are 18 prayers. They would have learned this thing called the Kaddish, which is likely what the Lord's Prayer was modeled after anyways. Very different, but similar. They knew how to pray. They also knew not only how to pray, they knew the times to pray. Pray in the morning, you pray at noon, you pray at night. They knew how to pray, they knew when to pray, and yet they asked Jesus, Will you teach us how to pray? And in Luke's gospel, he records these prayers. Jesus praying after his baptism and praying at night and praying early in the morning and praying at the Gethsemane and praying on the cross. And, and I think the point is this, is that Jesus knew about life the heaviness of it and, and humanity and the weight of it and the need that it was greater. It was greater than a few memorized prayers at a few set times of the day. That the need of life to communicate intimately with our Father was greater than just some routine. And that's why the disciples said, will you teach us? And that's why Jesus begins with, here's where it begins. You have to start this way. You have to understand this. You have to know this. You have to, at, at, at the very heart of it, when you bow your knees and you close your eyes or you stand up and you have your eyes open but when you turn your heart and your affections and, and when your mind turns to the creator of the universe that you would say Father Father from the heart and the mind and the voice and the posture of his son his daughter, knowing that that's the attention that you have. That's where Jesus begins. And what's interesting is we'll get into this. So what keeps us from praying is things like sin and shame and insecurity. busyness and all your sin and all your shame and all your insecurity to stop for just a moment and say Father see that that takes that gap that seems so far away and helps shrink it to intimacy, 
our Father. Who aren't in heaven. Just in case you carry any of the earthly baggage of fatherhood around, he helps us there too. We'll look at that next week. One last thing, I'll read it. And then we got to take communion. And then we got to get out of here. Because I know some of you guys are already trying to check the score on your phones. Hang with me, all right? You didn't miss anything. Spurgeon, by the way. Spurgeon, okay? And then we're done. I'll make one more remark before I leave this point, namely this. I love when he does that. That our being the children of God brings with it innumerable privileges. Time would fail me if I were to attempt to read the long roll of the Christian joyous privileges. I am God's child. If so, he'll clothe me. My shoes shall be iron and brass. He'll array me with the robe of my Savior's righteousness. For he said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And he's also said that he'll put a crown of pure gold on my head. And then as much as I am a king's son, I shall have a royal crown. My child, and he'll feed me. My bread shall be given to me, and my water shall be sure. He that feeds the ravens will never let his children starve. My father knoweth what things I have need of before I ask him, and he will give me all I want. If I be his child, then I have a portion in his heart here, and I shall have a portion in his house above. For if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Are there crowns? They're mine if I be an heir. Are there thrones? Are there dominions? Are there harps, palm branches, white robes? Are there glories that eye hath not seen? Is there music that ear hath not heard? All these are mine if I be a child of God. And it doth not yet appear what shall be. But we know that we, when we, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Talk of princes and kings and rulers. Their inheritance is but a pitiful foot of land across which the bird, bird's wing can soon direct its flight. But the broad acres of the Christian cannot be measured by eternity. He is rich without limit to his wealth. He is blessed without a boundary to his bliss. All this and more I can enumerate is involved in our being able to say our Father, which art in heaven. You would. Would you bow with me as we pray? If the men would come forward, we'll prepare to take communion as we um, pray this morning. We'll... Uh, Remember, the reason that we can come this morning and say our Father is because of Jesus, the Son, the eternal Son, who stepped out of eternity into humanity, never ceased to be God, fully God and fully man who lived 
life on this earth. Absolutely perfect. All that we were supposed to be. He took all that we are upon Himself. All our sin, all our shame, He became a curse. And we nailed Him to a cross. And He died our death. And He was buried in our grave. And after three days dead, he rose to new life, the first fruit of resurrection. And he lives. Seated at the right hand of the Father, the eternal Son. And we wait his return. And this morning we celebrate communion. And it is this eating of bread and this drinking of the juice that we Remember what He has done in taking our sin and granting us His righteousness. And we also proclaim His death until He returns. Looking forward to the day of our resurrection in eternity, face to face with Him. Our Father, we pray we come to you. With all of these things, draw us to your Son and get all the glory. Exalt his name above every name by your Spirit. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.